Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. How do you create a home that reflects who you are and inspires you to become the person you want to be? Where do you start? What are the steps you can take? And how do you learn how to be creative and put that creativity into practice inside your home? If these are questions you're interested in answering, you're in the right place because right here every week we talk about ways to improve your life by paying attention to the spaces you're living in. So welcome to the Style Matters podcast brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, your host, and I'm excited to share with you my slow style approach to creating a home you love, along with some really inspiring interviews with some of the best designers working in interiors. Before we get started with this episode, let me introduce you to today's sponsor, American Blossom Linens, which will be of particular interest to you if you're living in the U.S., Over the past few years, I've become more proactive in greening up my home, as maybe you have been as well. One thing on the list is to replace worn-out bedding with sheets that are sustainably made without any chemicals that might irritate my skin or add to my allergy problems. Now, when I say sustainably made, I mean I'm trying to look at the whole manufacturing process, from harvesting the cotton to weaving the fabric to shipping it. It's kind of a tall order when you think about the fact that so many bedding companies have moved overseas and their products have to travel 8,000 or so miles on a cargo ship to reach anyone living in the States. But there is a company called American Blossom Linens that makes sheets that are responsibly crafted by families manufacturing in the USA for over 122 years in Thomaston, Georgia, using cotton grown organically in Texas. No cargo ships involved. And because they're chemical-free, there's no icky formaldehyde hidden inside the fibers. As for quality, they're generously sized to fit thicker mattresses, and the fitted sheets have those top and bottom tags on them, so you don't have to guess which way to put them on. 
King and queen sets come with four pillowcases, which I really appreciate. And because they're 100% organic cotton, they get softer and softer with every wash, making them super comfortable. Right now, they're giving listeners of the Style Matters podcast a 20% discount using the code STYLEMATTERS20, all one word. Also, they offer free shipping and a two-year money-back guarantee, so you really can't go wrong. Go to AmericanBlossomLinens.com and use code STYLEMATTERS20 at checkout. That's AmericanBlossomLinens.com. And now let's get on with today's episode. Melissa Penfold is a well-known journalist in the field of interiors in Australia, and she's just come out with her first book, Living Well by Design. And in the book, as well as this episode, she drops quite a few pearls of wisdom about design, which I love just catching in my hands. We cover some of my favorite aspects of design in this conversation, including things like developing your confidence, creating a sense of place in your home, the missing wow factor ingredient in many homes, hint, hint, it's about scale, and of course, why style matters. Before we jump in, I just wanted to let you know that we're going on a little podcast break. We will be off air for the month of February, back in your earbuds starting in March, first week of March. But first, here's Melissa. Melissa Penfold, welcome to the Style Matters podcast. I am absolutely delighting in your book, and so I am thrilled to have you here. Oh, Sandra, thank you so much. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Before we dig into this book, and and there's a lot to dig into here, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. I've been writing and raving about design and decorating (laughs) for more than 30 years. I uh, did a quick, I did a degree. I then landed at uh, one of the biggest magazines in Australia, where I stayed for about 12 years. I got headhunted over to a newspaper for 16 years. I then uh, started my own blog and Vendome, uh, the president of Vendome noticed my work and very kindly asked me to do this book, which is why we're talking. Let's dive into it. Your tone throughout the book really encourages us to establish confidence. At least that's one of the threads that I got from it. And right in the the introduction, you say that decorating is about self-expression and self-respect. I'm quoting you there. Now, a lot of people say the part about the self-expression thing. You know, they say, oh, it's, you know, my home is where I practice self-expression, but I've never really heard anyone put the self-respect piece in there. So what do you mean by this? Because I was really intrigued by this idea that design decorating is about self-respect. It, it, self-respect is such an important element of our homes. It, it's about being proud of where you live and it shows you feel good about yourself and you see yourself deserving um, to surround yourself with the very best because your surroundings should, you know, reflect what you think of yourself. So, you know, with the best that you can, you need to have the best that you can afford. When you enter your home, if your spirits lift, 
life can be so much better. And even if you live in a shoebox, you know, a room mm. above a garage, honour <laughs> your presence in it. If you can't afford paintings, hang a beautiful piece of fabric, display a bunch of berries, you know, hang a huge paper Chinese lantern, but make sure everything you show speaks to you and sends a positive message. You know, I care about myself. Mm. I you know, I will be in my country home by myself, you know, the family's all away, but I will make sure I will go to the grocer on my way for the weekend or whatever, and I will pick up, you know, a case of apples, which don't <laughs> cost much, a case of apples, I get whatever's on sale, a couple of frilly lettuces and just some things for myself because they will elevate you know, when I walk into the house, it's a beautiful house, but it's very brown, you know, brown uh-huh. walls, brown furniture. It needs life. And that, that to me, is self-respect. And it's accessible for us all. Right. Beauty is accessible. I I, I definitely agree. Beauty and is accessible for yeah, us all. Yes, yes. Um, so the book has beautiful houses in it, you know, some of the best houses in the world by the best designers in the world. And even if you can't afford that, you can copy the, you can be inspired by the ideas. You can use the same paint colour. You can use, you know, ideas they have used. Well, can I just say that there's this one picture that we're, uh, from your book that that really, illustrates your point. When I was looking through your book, it was a a photo, and I don't remember what page it's on, um, but it was of a beautiful French countryside home. And I'm looking at it and thinking, you know, well, I don't have that beautiful stonework, and I don't have the beautiful ivy trailing up, and I don't have, you know, the architectural details that, that are native to that part of the world. But one thing I saw in the picture were these window boxes, clay or terracotta window yes. boxes with yes. red geraniums in them. Yes. And I thought, and well, that, I can do that. Exactly it. And <laughs> that is exactly it. A lot of the theme in the book is also abundant. Things look good mm. when you group them together. So group container pots together and they just yes. look fabulous. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, yes, exactly. Oh, Sandra, well. <laughs> Yeah, we're on the same page. Well, speaking of grouping things together, you alluded to this just a second ago when you were talking about your country home and and you you talk about this in the book and the the book, uh, just for those of you who are listening, the last chapter is all Melissa's home. And um, you talk about filling a basket with a bushel of apples. And it's not that you're going to eat all of them, but how wonderful they look when it's that many apples in a beautiful woven basket. And and so, you know, you were just talking about, I just stop at the corner market on my way in and I pick up whatever's on sale, apples, frilly lettuce, whatever. And, and yeah, so you all, you have to see you the know, photos sweet of her, of her potatoes, kitchen. <laughs> lemons, yeah. you know, sweet potatoes, aubergine. Um, what I'm guided by what is ever in, whatever is in season. The way you do things is you, you build a table or a bench top like a cityscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want it to look, you want you want height and depth. And mm. so whatever you're doing, if you're putting your potatoes, your apples, your lemons, you always want height and mm-hmm. depth. And in your bowl, you want it to be, you don't want it to be flat. You want it to be your apples to be piled up like a, you know, in an interesting way. Right. And you want it next to something low and then mm-hmm. something 
just think of the cityscape, how that goes. And yes. You'll know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about something that, that I think is very hard to explain to people, which um, I, I hear a lot of people say, and I, I'm guilty of this piece of advice as well, where, where I say to people, just buy what you love and, and it'll all work together. Don't worry. But, but, you know, the truth is, is that it doesn't always quite work together. Sometimes it really does look like a mishmash of things where other times buying what you love is exactly just right. How do we differentiate between sort of the crazy mishmash of things and something that looks much more cohesive? So if it's bought with the same strong eye, it will work. So how do you, you you need to train your eyes. So Mm -hmm. I always think window shop in the best parts of town, Mm -hmm. it's free. You'll pick (laughs) up the best ideas and the latest looks. You know, mm-hmm. note the little things, see how they merchandise things, look at the latest colour combinations. One of the best things you can do with decorating is pick a p- colour palette and work within it. That will stop it looking like a mishmash and you're just going crazy mm. and buying everything you see that you love. It comes back to appropriateness and suitability and you have to find out, you know, for your house, is this appropriate for my house? And is it suitable for my house? Well, and, that, that leads me right to my next question, which is all about having a sense of place. And yes. you actually devote I, one of your very first chapters to a sense of place, which I think is a little bit hard to grasp uh, as a concept. So I'm so glad that you took the time to tease it apart for us. Um, a lot of other design books leave this element out. So explain to us what you mean by that and, and how we can be attuned to it and sort of respect it. A sense of place is where everything starts. Absolutely everything starts. When you walk into a place and you cannot imagine anything else being there, there's a mm. sense of inevitability. That's when there's a successful sense of place, when it's anchored to its setting, to its environment. But the secret is every single element has been united and is mm. in harmony. So think of it, for instance, I'm, uh, the Hamptons, or I love, you know, South France, as you know, mm-hmm. from my book. Uh, the decorating, the landscaping, the materials, the building, they all work together as a whole. That with the unity and harmony, that is when a, a sense of place uh, works. You have a, another chapter that is really, really wonderful called Composition and Balance. And you say that there's a fine line between layered and collected versus busy and distracting, which is kind of similar to what we were oh, talking you love about that earlier. You love I that do. Theme. I do. And it's you, a good thing. It is. And, 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 but you say, so you go on to say something that I've never heard before, which is so kind of exciting for me. If <laughs> I might geek out for a minute. You say good organization is invisible. What do you yeah. mean by that? What do you mean by invisible organization? Utility is often a very good decorator. So think of it as a they're very well put together rooms. So I, I think they all often have lots of baskets, bookshelves, drink trays, side tables. So everything has a place. Think of a room where you've walked into a friend's house and you think, I want to get out of here. It's just, it's just (laughs) chaos. Yeah. Yeah. It's messy. It feels dirty. Um, Organize a friend's house where organization is invisible. It's just, it's, 
It's calm, serene. It is a beautiful place to be in. Everything feels ordered. And it's got that hotel quality, but also something lovely. Store things where they're used and edit often. Mm-hmm. But people think they need more. You know, they think they need a, a new extension and then they all send, end up not using the front room because they're using right. the back room and all this sort of thing. You don't need as much as you think you need. You don't probably need to knock down walls and mm-hmm. things. Just reorganise what you have. I'm just going to jump in here for a second. Before we continue with the conversation, I want to make sure you know about one of the ways I can help you out when it comes to your home. One of the frustrations I hear the most is about not knowing what your style is. You want to take a fun quiz and get an answer. I get that. You're looking for a starting place, or maybe you're having trouble mixing it all together, especially when you've got a lot of different styles that you've accumulated over the years. If this sounds like you, please go to our website, littleyellowcouch.com, and download our free style guide to get some help. In it, you'll see that you don't have to lock yourself into one particular style category to create a cohesive feeling. What you need is a new working definition of your unique style. I call the free guide the style mashup because no one style is going to reflect all of who you are. So let's throw that idea out and start looking at our homes a different way. You can easily find the free guide on our website, littleyellowcouch.com. All right, let's get back to the conversation. One of the other things that that I noticed in in many of the homes you feature, there there's a, a room often where there's something massive in it, some beautiful huge urn, or a column, or a piece of artwork, or or a mass of huge wildflowers, you know, that that are just more than you would ever get at a store. Like clearly somebody went out to a field and and just gathered two huge armfuls of them. How do you know when to go really big with something and and when it will add drama, fantastic drama versus feeling like it's out of place? And I, I ask this because I think a lot of people, they're afraid to go bold in this way. I love scale. I absolutely love it. I think it gives an interior guts. Whopping doorknobs can give a a door drama instead of conventional little knobs. And big cushions and napkins are so much more exciting than I loathe little scatter cushions on or pillows as you call little I love I love big (laughs) pillows rather than little pillows on a sofa, which just makes me want to sob. (laughs) <laughs> and um, but and I love a big mirror instead of a little mirror on a mm. wall that mm. you know you've got to sort of crane your head to sort of look at yourself. And I I just think one big piece of art, even in, will make a room bigger and give mm. it the dimensions it may not have, even if it's a small room. Mm. It, it you know people think small room, small furniture. Well, it, it'll always look like a, a small room with small furniture. Give it a big bookcase, and it'll give it the dimensions it does not have. Scale gives it a focal point. Oh, yes. And if you don't have a focal point, you can't, a room will not succeed. Well, that that leads me right to my my final question. Why does style matter? And you, you've already started answering Oh, it. oh, <laughs> wow. Well, look, I, I have something I, I often say that 
look, we know how to live, but we don't know how to live well. Sandra, we might have the money, but we don't have the know-how. We know how to spend, but we don't know how to shop. We know how to furnish our rooms, but we don't know how to decorate. And the difference is style. Living well and our style is everything from how you decorate your house, write a thank you letter, uh, wrap presents, arrange flowers, set a table. It's every single thing you do and it elevates and it's not about money. Mm. Money can never do what style and imagination can do. And, you know, the biggest houses in the world are often go wrong because they don't use their imagination. Mm. And you're more likely to see an interesting house when there's not as much money. Yes, absolutely. Melissa, it's been wonderful to talk with you. Such a pleasure. And uh, I have to say, you're my second Australian that I've had on the show. And we've been going for six years. So I am feel like I am really breaking through over to the other side well, of the Sandra, world. Well, guess here. what? You're my second ever podcast. Hey, there we go. And, and the other one was American too. So <laughs> I feel I'm breaking through into the American market and I couldn't <laughs> be happier. Thank you so much for, yes. you know, for appreciating the book. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, good. good. And I am thrilled to have been on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more info on this episode, things like photos, links, my own takeaways from the conversation, I'm happy to say that we've just given our website a refresh. When you go to littleyellowcouch.com, click on podcast at the top, and then just click on an episode and you'll see the show notes page with all of that extra stuff. And while you're at littleyellowcouch.com, you can also learn more about my slow style philosophy when it comes to decorating. You can take a tour of my home, get info about our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, and of course, download the freestyle guide so you can get started working on your dream home today. Okay, that's all for now. Have a great Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.